0: This is Spin Control, a FiberCraft podcast by a joyful girl.
1: Spin, turn the spinning wheel. Make me some of your magic thread. Spin-
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, Episode 28, Fear Not. I thought the title was appropriate considering the season that we are in. Coming up in this episode, we have some spinning, some knitting, some swatching, some Christmas Conquest 2010 progress, a product review, a little tale about letting fear go, and some Halloween costume successes. And we will wrap it all up with our October donation incentive giveaway. Let's start this off with some special thanks. Thank you so much to all of our donors, to all of our listeners returning and new, and to everyone who has stopped by the iTunes page and given a review. With the season of giving fast approaching, I want to ask you all to consider going over to your favorite podcaster's page and giving them a review. It is a great way to say thank you for all the hard work that they put in building these great shows for us to listen to. And for me, that's like 10 or 12 people. I have a very, very, very long list of running podcasts that I listen to every week and a handful that I am catching up on. So think of them during your holiday giving. This week for updates, we still do not have a November donation incentive, but for those of you who are so curious, any donation of $1 or more, I will be sure to send out a copy of the Perfect Little Fat Quarter Bag pattern by me. If you have considered becoming a donor for the incentive program, please shoot me a private note over there on Ravelry or send me an email. That'd be great. If you have an Etsy shop or you're a crafter who makes something that you might want to contribute to the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners would too. That's all I've got in updates. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. This week in Spin a Tail... I have a little story about a knitter who let her fears go and has progressed to an intermediate skill level. I know not all of my stories are gonna be super exciting and filled with near-death experiences but I just wanted to share this with you. The other day I was looking at my Ravelry profile and I had noticed that I have a little paragraph about all the knitting techniques that I am afraid of or I should say that I used to be afraid of. In the past I was afraid of knitting socks sweaters cables color work and i think that's really all i've got and lace and over the past year yeah really over the past 12 months no over the past two years i have conquered every one of my knitting fears and that makes me super excited i knit socks like a fiend now i always have at least one pair on the needles last year Last winter, I did a little color work pattern. It was just a hat for my husband, made from the fake aisle hat pattern, and I just conquered my very first adult size sweater. In lace this past year, I made just a lace scarf, and that's really all the lace interest I've got going on right now. Can't say I'll never knit lace again, that's for sure, but I think I'm ready to call myself an intermediate knitter. I'm pretty sure I've moved past the beginner status, and that makes me so happy. It's Really nice to not have any fears in knitting anymore. I think that I could take on any project, stumble my way through it, and get it done. I can't guarantee that it'll end up looking like it's supposed to in the end, but I'm not afraid to take these things on, and that makes me so super happy. So I think I've definitely earned an intermediate status, which is so cool. It's nice to no longer be a beginning knitter. I also recall when I think back over this past year, looking at my knitting and actually like making the realization that, oh my God, I can actually read my knitting now. It just kind of progressed as I took on more challenging projects that I could actually look at what I had knit and go, oh, there's a mistake right there. Or have the pattern memorized in my head and look down at my knitting after sitting it down and go, Oh, okay, that's what I'm on next. I'm ready to do this yarn over and knit two together, which is a super awesome, way liberating feeling. I certainly don't pretend to be an expert in knitting. I definitely know less than many of my knitting friends have forgotten about knitting. And that is, it's pretty funny. I'm definitely not an expert, but I'm certainly to the point where I'm ready to try anything. And that makes me feel so good. And now it's on to spinning my wheels. This week has been quite eventful. It's hard to believe that I got anything done outside of making a Mad Hatter costume, but I did, in spinning. Last Sunday, I went to Spin Group, and it was a total blast. It was held at one of our local yarn stores in the St. Louis area called Notorious. It was fantastic. There were about 12 spinners that showed up, and one husband, and we had four or five different wheel spinners, plus a bunch of folks who were spinning on their spindles, so that was pretty cool. I got to take Carlin out there, and what I decided that I was going to spin on this week was sampling out the Rambouillet fleece. Uh, I really only managed to get about half an ounce spun, and I spun it out, and then I decided to try the Andean plying on it, and I pretty much ran into the same issues that I had when I first started the Cormo. For some reason, the spin does not want to evenly distribute itself across the strand as I am drafting it out and letting it get pulled onto the bobbin. So I'll have these great little sections, you know, four, five, six inches of wonderful, smooth, beautiful looking spinning. And then I get these little areas, probably an inch to an inch and a half, that it doesn't look like it has any spin in it at all, which makes no sense to me. I will totally have to try to figure out what I'm doing wrong. I'm trying to do some research. I tried to find some YouTube videos or some stuff online specific to spinning Rambouillet, and I found nothing. Megan from Stitch It Podcast recommended spinning it very similarly to Merino, and I couldn't find anything specific on that. I'm going to have to dig through my books next to see what I can find on spinning a finer fleece, because it's not working out. I definitely am not getting the results that I want. But luckily I have an entire fleece of this fiber. So hopefully the next half ounce goes a little bit more smoothly and I get some results that are worthy of the entire three pounds. So we'll have to see how that works out. And on to knitting. In knitting I made quite a bit of Christmas conquest 2010 progress. I cast on a mustard scarf and that I'm knitting out of some respun Monostel Uruguay. By respun, let me explain what I mean. Way back in the day when I first started spinning on a wheel, I decided that in order to get my feet treadling and my hands drafting and to be able to coordinate those two efforts at the same time, I needed to just run some yarn through my spinning wheel. And monos worked out really well because if you've ever worked with it, you'll know that it's not like super tightly spun and it's a very, very thick and thin yarn. And what I ended up doing was evening out the spin and the twist on the monos. So at the very end, it was all one thickness, which was really cool. And then I had so much of it that I ended up plying it together. So I had this gigantic cake of re-spun monos, and it's actually working out totally perfectly for the mustard scarf. It's an average weight of about worsted, and it's knitting up really super nice. And the pattern on that scarf is so... So simple and easy and fast. Really the pattern, if you look up the PDF on Ravelry, it's only a single page pattern. So it's cool. I didn't even print it off. I just have it on my iPhone and I'm accessing it that way. In addition, I cast on a second wham bam, thank you ma'am. I went into my giant bag of yarn to see what I had, if I had enough yardage on any of the stuff that's there to do the wham bam at the appropriate length. The final product is supposed to be about 18 inches and you're supposed to knit it with just over 100 yards of a bulky weight yarn. And I don't have just over 100 yards of bulky weight yarn on any single skein. So what I ended up doing, surprisingly enough, I had these two different types of bulky yarn that were really similarly colored purple. Almost a jewel tone purple. One is Yukon, and I can't think of Plymouth Yukon, And the other, I don't know, it's escaping me, but I'll be sure to link to the project in the show notes. But one is just a shade darker, and the other is a shade lighter. The Yukon is evenly spun, super bulky. It's got a very light twist in it, so it's very lofty and soft. And the other one is spun a little tighter at a thick and thin And it's making a really interesting striping effect, but it's very subtle. You can hardly tell that it's even two different yarns. And it's super soft, and I'm really enjoying knitting that up, and it's going really fast. It's making some great TV knitting. Like last night, I knit on it a bit for like two episodes of 30 Rock while we were sitting there watching it on Netflix. So that was cool. And I also cast on for a pair of gilt mittens. Gilt mittens is not a pattern. Gilt mittens are a pair of mittens that I was guilted into casting on for itty bitty. They're guilt mittens because we were at Target the other day and she desperately wanted a pair of fingerless mitts with a mitten cap. And I said, I'm not going to spend $16 on a pair of flip-top mittens when I can make them for you. And her response was, I know you can make them for me, Mom, but that doesn't mean that you will. Oh, that got me right in the heart. So right when we got home from our little trip to Tarjay, I let her into the stash and she picked out a very, very pretty color of pink Knit Picks essential yarn that I had in my stash. It was essential sock weight in what is it called cochineal. And what I decided to do so that the mittens wouldn't take forever and a day to knit up, I am knitting them two strands held together and I am just about done with the first mitten. I've got the Mitten cap, halfway knit, and all I'm waiting for is for her to come home from her weekend trip with her grandma so that I can make sure the thumb and the mitten cap are both long enough for her little hands. So that's working out very nice. In addition, I'm swatching for a sweater for me. I have three skeins of Cascade Ecological Wool in my stash. It's a very, very, very beautiful tan color, and of course, I cannot think of what colorway it is right this second but it's gorgeous and I love it, but I bought it probably nine months ago and I had the yarn store cake it up for me because they have like, you know, the industrial strength ball winder right there in the store. So my friend Chuck went ahead and balled that up for me and it's been just lingering there in the stash forever. So I was a little concerned that the yarn would be too stretchy and I was so not enthused about the idea of re it and then reballing it in order to use it. I mean, I think probably the right thing to do would have been to re it, soak it, let it air dry so that it reaches back to its original thickness. But I didn't really feel like doing that. So I started off just, I did two swatches, one on a size 11 needle and one on a size 13 needle, soaked them as if I was going to wash the sweater, and compared my before gauge to my after gauge to see what the difference was. And really on those needle sizes all it's doing is fluffing back up and making the final product like less airy it's not actually changing the gauge it's just the strand is fluffing back up to its full weight and filling in the swatch really nicely so it doesn't look like I'm gonna have to rescan it and that makes me super duper happy and I've decided that what I'm going to knit with that is the Lionette Cardi out of custom knits and that pattern is so pretty it makes me really happy and I'm excited about it and I'm kind of debating on whether or not I want to cast it on like November 1st and see if I can finish it in the month of November but we know how that goes that'll probably put a huge crimp in my Christmas Conquest 2010 plans so I'm still kinda of on the fence about when I want to cast that sweater on but it did swatch and that makes me really happy that I don't have to rescan it because that would be a super duper bummer alright that's all I've got in knitting but in sewing Let me take a sip of my Diet Coke and I'll edit it out. Okay, in sewing this week, it was kind of a hodgepodge of sewing and crafting. Don't tell Gigi, but there may have been some hot glue involved. All right, there definitely was some hot glue involved. So anyhow, I told you last week that I was totally freaked out about whether or not I'd got in over my head promising to make my daughter the Mad Hatter costume. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, you will have already seen the pictures. And it turned out so wonderfully. It makes me so happy. So the costume consists of the hat, a jacket, a high collared shirt, a giant bow tie, and a skirt, and some leggings and and some, you know, Converse All-Stars. Kids got to be a kid, right? So I had no idea what I was going to do for the Mad Hatter hat, but thankfully Michelle, also known as Blue Moon Artistry, came to the rescue. She sent me a link to a video tutorial from Threadbangers. That was awesome. It was a six minute segment on making a Mad Hatter costume and the key element, of course, was constructing the hat. Almost 95% of this hat construction was hot glue, but I didn't care. It made me so happy. I watched the tutorial once and I was able to attack the craft room right after work and knock it out in about two hours. The hat consists of cardboard, poster board, fabric, hot glue, and a really thick wire. So I got that done and it made me happy. Her jacket, the overdye ended up working out totally perfectly and the tone of the jacket matched the fabric I used in the hat perfectly. So it looked so good. When my daughter originally drew out what she wanted her costume to look like, she included like an exaggerated, flared, ballerina-style skirt. And what I talked about or what I thought about doing was getting some tooling and making like a big puffy skirt. But I decided I didn't want to spend any money, (laughs) any more money, if you will. So I really only shopped out of the remnant bins like I always do. That's where I found, it was at Joann's, that's where I found the material for the skirt as well as the material for the hat. And it was this gray, like crinkly fabric. And I have no idea what kind it was because it was a remnant and it wasn't labeled. All it said was like dry clean only, but it was super cute. And all I ended up doing for that was basically sewing three layers together after gathering them. And then I put a big, fat black ribbon around the top to use as a tie. And luckily, the Mad Hatter costume is styled after, you know, the new version with Johnny Depp. And his costume in the movie is very beaten and battered and torn from, you know, like the fire and all that stuff that happened in the beginning of the movie. If you haven't seen it, sorry I'm giving things away, but... But that's essential to this story. So I didn't really have to do much finishing on the skirt because I wanted it to look a little beaten and tattered. The material was very low fray. So all I did was just cut the bottoms. I didn't seam them up because I wanted that little bit of tattered looks to remain in the skirt. So she looked super duper adorable. And I got all of the accents done. I put a little card. We made a little fake hat pin and added some peacock feathers for accents. And she looks so awesome. I've got pictures on my personal blog of that, and I will be sure, sure to link to that in the show notes page because I'm super impressed with myself. I am by no means an expert seamstress. I'm actually faking it like all the time. (laughs) I, there's so much stuff, there's so much more about sewing I don't know than like my mom has forgotten. But I'm faking my way through it, and this Halloween costume was a total success and I'm very proud of myself, and I'm happy that I was able to come through for my daughter the way I had promised. And that is all I've got this week in spinning my wheels. This week, I'm going to put my spin on an ot light. I don't know if you own an ot light or if you have ever had the opportunity to try an ot light, but I had a really bad experience with one. About a month ago, I believe it was Joanne's Fabric had a 50% off sale on all of their Ott Lights. And I thought that that would be a great opportunity to get some additional lighting for my craft room. Because I think, if you've been listening for a while, you know that my craft area is located across the back wall of my walk-in closet. And my walk-in closet has a single light in the center of the room up on the ceiling. And it's a sizable room. It's crazy how big this closet is. My little house only has like 1900 square feet of living space and uh, this closet is like 17 by 20 feet. It's pretty huge, which is why there's room for all of my sewing, all of my stash, and all of that stuff in the back. However, because I'm positioned across the back wall and the light is centered in the room, my body casts a shadow on everything I am working on. So I decided that since there was this sale and I'd heard such wonderful things about Otlite, That i would go and pick myself up one and set it on the shelf just above my head and use it to light my entire like work area the light i purchased was the telescoping desk lamp and it retails for 45.99 well that's the manufacturer's suggested retail price and this light was crap i could not believe how little light it cast on the area i mean it's supposed to be a full-size desk lamp and it was awful and it came with the light bulb, and the coloring for that light was just awful. It was definitely unnatural, and it did less good than not having the light at all, because the way it lit the space was very unnatural and just awful. I didn't like it at all. One of my major complaints with Ott Lights in general is the fact that they require a specialty light bulb. Most of the time, you have to go back to the store that you purchase the lamp in, in order to get the appropriate light bulbs. And I don't like that at all. This light was poor enough that I was able to replace it with a $2.99 clamp-on shop light from Home Depot. I don't know if I've talked about this in the past, but literally, I scavenged in my husband's garage area, in his work area, and took one of his little clamp-on lights. I'm sure you've seen them. They basically have a little metal shade and a metal clamp that you squeeze and you can hook it onto a shelf or whatever you need to in your workspace. And that light is probably four feet above my head off to the side. And I have it angled over on my table and I use like a regular natural light light bulb that cost me what? I don't know. It was like four for three dollars or something. And it's awesome. It works so much better than that Ot Light ever did and I just heard so many wonderful things about them that I was totally sucked in to the idea of an Otlite. And I ended up with a horrible one. I don't know if they're all that way because I'm not going to spend that much money ever again on a lamp for this workspace, on a table lamp anyway. And that is my spin on the Otlite telescoping table lamp. It is definitely not worth the $45 that they want you to spend on it. Now it's on to All Spun Up. And this week, I am all spun up about my neighbors. I know I've talked about it in the past, but I absolutely love where I live. And one of the greatest parts of where I live is my neighbors. There's really only a handful of families and couples that live on our block and around the corner from us. But we all get along swimmingly. I would say that our neighborhood is an older neighborhood, like my house was built in 1964 and the neighborhood seems to be like regenerating itself or revitalizing. There are young couples and young families and folks, well, I'm not necessarily young, but folks our age buying houses from older family members or renting in this area, and it seems to just be a wonderful mix of people. For example, this morning, knowing that we're having a Halloween party tonight, my neighbor Jen stopped by with two cups of her wonderful chocolatey brewed coffee, one for myself and one for my husband, and dropped in to see if we needed anything because she was on her way to the store. There was just such a sweet and wonderful unsolicited thing for our neighbor to do, and it's the kind of stuff that we experience all the time over here. We always have our eye on one another's property and what's going on in the neighborhood, and for sure, if a strange car drives down our road, We know it doesn't belong there because we all know each other and our street is a dead end. But I just love my neighbors. They're wonderful, friendly people that definitely go out of their way to help one another. And that is what's got me all spun up this week. All right, now it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. And of course, I am going to do that by announcing. The winner of our October donation incentive. First off, let me tell you how I drew the winner. All donors received one entry for every dollar they donated in the order that they were received. And then I used a random number generator to select the winner from that group. And our winner is Lisa Marie. I don't know your Ravelry name, but I will be sure to send you an email and let you know that you are our winner. I'll give it a couple days so hopefully you get to hear the announcement on the show. But if not, you'll definitely get an email from me so that you can select between one of the two prizes. And those, again, were both donated by Diabolical Yarns, the first of which is a lovely lavender skein of two-ply lace weight yarn, 100% super fine merino wool. That's 760 yards at 100 grams. And the other prize that you can choose from is a hand-painted, four ounces of hand-painted BFL roving. I'll be sure to send you a note with pictures of those items so you can make your selection and send me your address so we can get that prize out to you. Thank you so much to everybody who donated to the podcast in the month of October. I really appreciate it. That helped me fund part of the switch to my new host and provider. I really appreciate it, and we'll keep that up in the months to come, and hopefully I can come up with some great prizes, and it'll be worth your time. Oh! I nearly forgot to mention that I will be taking next week's episode off. So you can expect to see episode twenty nine of Spin Control in two weeks. I have to go out of town for a business trip on November 5th and 6th, and I certainly will be losing a lot of editing time, so I thought it would be a great time to take a little break. This week's song is Treeline by Sarah Donner. It's a really sweet song that just got uploaded to the Pod Safe Music Network and I totally enjoyed it when I heard it, and I hope that you do too. As always, you can check the show notes at spincontrolpodcast.com, email me at knits at gmail.com, catch me on Ravelry as a joyful girl, or follow me on Twitter as a joyful girl maid. Thanks again, guys. I will talk to you soon.
1: In my backyard, I have boxes, I have spices, and in your backyard you have mountain you have highway you see the stars but i don't see stars from Your mountain, you have branded an initial monogram in my window. I have neon, not much brighter, but draws me in. If I can't make it to the summit, oh, would you send someone down?